Welcome to the FFSN NFL Draft Preview. My name is Jeremy Betts. I'm here to help me break down every angle of the 2024 NFL Draft is my good buddy, Andrew Wilbar. Andrew, how's it going, man? It's going well. The draft is not that far from now. I'm excited. Nothing I like more than talking NFL Draft with you, Jeremy. Looking forward to these next couple months. Absolutely. Eight or so weeks until... The draft kicks off, and there's a lot to discuss. What we're going to do here on this show is we're going to break things down. Probably over the first four weeks or so, we're going to give you some more generic topics to discuss about the NFL draft, go over position groups, some of the top players, maybe a mock draft or so here and there. We'll get to those. And then to close it out, the last four weeks before the draft, we're going to dive into each division and break down each division by team needs according to the needs that our staff members here at FFSN for each of the different teams in the NFL, what they have determined are the top needs for their team. So these are the guys that know these teams the best. These are the guys that are in with these teams, and they're going to know what these teams are looking for. That's what we're going to break down as we get a little bit closer to the draft. But Andrew, today for this show, we're going to do our top five players by position for the offense, really your top five players by position and I'll throw in all the disagreements I have because I know there's going to be a huge amount of them (laughs) and we will get to all of that Andrew before we get into breaking down each position though just real quick give us an overview of the offense maybe some positions of strength maybe some weaker position groups or anything that just stands out to you about the offensive draft class overall well, it's very top-heavy, but I think there's a lot of depth, too. We talk about the receiver position. I think there's a lot of positions on the offensive side of the ball, specifically in the offensive line, where there's a lot of depth this year. This draft, just in general, is so much better than last year. It's not even close. But especially on the offensive side of the ball. At the top, you don't have a lot of great defenders, but you do have some depth there. And I think you're going to see some of these guys in the middle rounds that maybe have second or third round grades, you're going to see some of these guys slip to day three because that's when teams are going to opt for the defense. You're going to see a lot of teams going for either a wide receiver or offensive lineman in round one because that's the way the NFL is trendy and that's what teams need right now. I think that as you get into day two, you're going to see some of these mid-round prospects fall a little bit on draft day, not because of them necessarily, but just because of the depth of the draft. Not everyone can go in those second and third rounds. So I think this, there's going to be an opportunity for a lot of NFL teams to get a gem, whether it be a wide receiver, even running back. We see that happen every year on day three of the draft. Yeah, a, a beautiful year for the value play. If you're looking for depth of position groups, there's going to be options for you in the middle rounds because, like you said, a lot of these guys are going to go early at maybe one or two position groups. And then some of these other guys are going to start falling down draft boards. You might be able to get good value at a position that is a, maybe a little bit less of a of a big deal to teams, if you will. Right. So, so we're going to talk about all of that. But let's jump into the quarterbacks to start things out. And let's break it down. Uh, give me your top five here uh, just in a row. And then uh, let's talk about the guys at the top. So just go ahead and list off your top five uh, quarterbacks here for us, Andrew. I've got Caleb Williams. We'll get into him in a second, the potential risks that comes with him. But I do have him one. The big thing for me is I do have Jaden Daniels slightly ahead of Drake May and number two. Not that I dislike Drake May, but I just think the upside and the dual threat ability of Daniels in the right system gives him a little bit higher upside. And we've just seen a little bit more clutch from him, at least his time at LSU. And then number four, I have J.J. McCarthy. He's the last of my first-round grade quarterbacks. And then I have Michael Penix Jr. at number five. It's a good list. And, um, you know, there's a there's a lot of people talking about Caleb Williams, Drake May, even as 
really can't miss prospects at the position. Do you view those guys in that same light or, or are there issues that could come to light for these guys that would prevent them from becoming the generational talents that many believe that they are? I don't think there's any can't miss prospects. Most people are saying that that's Caleb Williams, but you and I have talked before on our other show, the Steelers fix on the steel curtain network that there are concerns with Williams, just as it pertains to his effort in general. Uh, You saw this past year, he cannot overcome every challenge that is brought his way. He had some bad decision-making. Not all of them always resulted in interceptions, but a lot of balls that could have been interceptions, he was not afraid to throw it into double and triple coverage. He Sometimes he trusts himself a little bit too much. And there's, there's a fine line between confidence and cockiness. And cockiness isn't always just boasting outwardly. It is just the way that a person goes about his business mentally as well. And that's a concern for me with Caleb Williams. When you watch him play, sometimes he feels like he has a a little bit, he has a little bit too much confidence in his game. Like they have everything under control. And then when something goes wrong, like what happened? And we saw him in, there was a lot of people talking about him crying after that game this past season at USC and can make a bunch of stuff about that. I don't know if he is mentally tough enough to handle the NFL. He's been handed everything on a silver platter throughout college, being able to follow Lincoln Riley and all that situation. That's a big concern for me with Williams. With May, it's just the consistency. He's got mm-hmm. the arm. He's got the prototypical body size. He, The Justin Herbert comparisons, in my opinion, are very valid. Yes. Now, I wasn't super high on Herbert. I have a much higher grade on May, probably because I see him as the guy who can fit the ball into tight windows on a little bit more consistent basis. There was still a little bit of inconsistency this past year, but let's not forget he did lose Josh Downs to the NFL. Herbert had still a lot of talent on that offense, and we'll get into Walker, the wide receiver from North Carolina, when we get to wide receivers maybe in a later episode. But as it pertains to May, I I feel the the big concern is just going to come down to consistency and big games. He didn't always play the best in the big games, and neither did Herbert. And in all honesty, Herbert hasn't really done that that well at the NFL level either, and that's what's held the Chargers back from reaching new heights. So it's a valid concern with May. I think he can be a solid quarterback. And then with Daniels, it's just, can he continue the trend that he is on and getting through his progressions, developing more as a passer? He's taken leaps and bounds. You know, he's, in my opinion, he's way ahead of Lamar Jackson or even Justin Fields, really where he was at in his progression. But we've seen Justin Fields even improve in just the way that he goes about getting through his progressions and at least knowing when to use his legs, when the, offensive scheme allows him to use them it's just being smart with his body and making smart decisions with the football and Daniels did a really good job of that this past year that's why I have him ahead of May but I don't believe there is any can't miss prospect in this draft that you can say this guy is for sure going to be a star long-term to come there's high percentage but I wouldn't say there's a, a 100% chance he got a guy in here that's going to just be a stud yeah the theme to me for this group is size concerns and there's going to be mm-hmm. some of those talking points throughout the draft process here. You've got Caleb Williams, who's 6'1", maybe 210 pounds. That's not prototypical size for a quarterback. I mean, you're talking Baker Mayfield uh, for a size comparison there, basically. And then you've got guys like Jane Daniels, who's a slider built quarterback. He's tall enough, but he's he's slider built. Uh, JJ McCarthy, slider built as well. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., some guys further down the list, Bo Nick, Spencer Rattler, Michael Pratt, Jordan Travis, those guys all kind of fit in the top 10 group that you've put together on and on fansforsports.com. And all of those guys could have size concerns uh, as far as are they going to be able to handle it at the NFL level, uh, the beating that they could get. But uh, let's just real quick before we move on from the quarterbacks, let's talk J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix, 
a lot of people have those guys flipped in their rankings, uh, but why do you have McCarthy ahead of Penix? Penix, the biggest thing is the injury concerns, and we saw in that game he got really rattled under pressure. J.J. McCarthy, there were times where he doesn't sense the pressure quite as much as he should, especially coming from his blind side, but you cannot argue the fact that he doesn't get rattled by too much. He stays pretty mm -hmm. calm inside the pocket, and when he gets out, he's really dangerous with his legs. You, with Penix, it's, it really comes down to the injury concerns. He's an older prospect. J.J. McCarthy just turned 21, so he's he, he's coming into the league a little bit younger. I think he's the long-term upside play because of his dual threat ability. With Penix, you just have to wonder how long can he continue with this. I mean, he was even getting a little bit banged up toward the end of that national championship game by getting hit so yeah. often. And that was a good offensive line that he had at Washington throughout the year. I, I think... I think there is a wide separation. There's going to be a team that's going to fall in love with J.J. McCarthy. I think he's going to be a top 12 pick because of the dire need for quarterbacks around the league. And with Penix, there's just too big of an injury risk. I struggle to yeah. think that there's going to be a general manager saying out there, if this guy's had four season-ending injuries in six years, yeah, he's got the talent, but how is he going to adapt, one, to the NFL scheme? We have to adapt our system because, one, he is a left-handed quarterback. It's not something that you take um, off your draft board for. But there's a lot of baggage, not bad off-field baggage with Michael Penix, but just injury concerns that have mounted up over time. I don't, I couldn't warrant taking him in the first round, maybe once you get to day two. But to me, J.J. McCarthy is clearly the quarterback four in this class. I think he's going to be more grouped with those top three guys by the time we get to April mm -hmm. than we will be with the Bo Nixes, Michael Penix, and I'd even add, that I think Bo Nix has a chance to leap Michael Penix Jr. if he has a strong combine performance. Yep. I agree. And the quarterbacks, as always, will be the driving force of the draft, the big talking point. So we'll have a lot more content on the quarterbacks as we continue moving forward with this show and others. Let's go to a position group that's not going to be quite as, as highlighted with big names. All right. And that's the running back group. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this group it kind of falls off pretty quick. And I, I wouldn't say there's a first round running back in this group. Would you? I wouldn't. I think Jordan, I'm not a fan of taking a run back in the first round at all, but I think Brooks from Texas would have had a chance if not for the injury. I, mm -hmm. I appears that he'll be healthy. He should be good to go for training camp and everything. But I believe that I don't, I do not believe you're going to see a first round running back. Yeah. As opposed to last year where we saw two very early in the draft, this is not one yeah. of those years. You have Jonathan Brooks from Texas at number one, Trey Benson from Florida state at number two. And then at three, Blake Corum from Michigan, number four, Audric Estime, Notre Dame, and number five, Rasheen Ali from Marshall. Anybody stand out to you from that group as a guy that could maybe improve his draft stock as we get a little closer to draft day uh, through the combine pro days, whatever, type of uh, workouts that he will go through i think the one guy on this list that could is audric esteem from notre dame just because of the size if he runs a fast 40 that's going to get a lot of people excited when you have that size and the speed to go together oh could he be the next nick chubb you know you, he's going to get those comparisons if he runs well in the 40 brooks can't do anything to improve his stock because the injury quorum i think he's going to test pretty well but the the tape speaks for itself he's going to be a day two pick and uh, because of the tread that he's been exposed to and after that you're looking at a lot of late day two early day three guys so i i think the one guy who has a chance to really boost the stock would be esteem if he tests well in indy yeah and you know one of the things about this running back group is you've got more role players than than 
full-time three down backs. I think you, you could say in this group. So that kind of limits their upside a little bit. Jonathan Brooks, Trey, Brent, Trey Benson, Audric Estime could be um, considered a, a um, workhorse back, but even Blake Corum seems to have a cap kind of on what he can do as a, as a three down workhorse style back. So we'll have to see how that all plays out, but for the running back specifically, is there anybody just outside this top five maybe that you think might be able to push their way into that before we move on to the wide receivers? I think Jawar Jordan does just because of his speed in the open field. He's going to get a lot of comparisons to the Coastal Carolina running back that Baltimore took undrafted last year and had a really good season for Baltimore. Uh, I th- Keaton Mitchell, excuse me. I-, I think one guy that's going to get a lot of comparisons to Blake Corm is Cody Schrader. They're built very similar. Uh, Schrader is not quite as athletic as Quorum is, but I think he's a guy who, uh, again, just consistently grinds out consistent yardage on the ground. And I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to like that. He'll probably fall to early day three, but I think somebody's going to pick him up and they're going to get a solid running back. You're talking to a guy who could be maybe, uh, could be literally a poor man's Blake Quorum. I, I compare Quorum to a rich man's Jalen Warren. So if you're looking at Schrader, maybe you're looking at an ideal t- Jalen Warren type running back. So it'll be interesting to see what he runs in the 40, but let's not forget Jalen Warden didn't test the greatest either. Absolutely. And nothing tests or nothing can measure hard on the field. And that's the type of player Jalen Warren is. That's the type of player Blake Corum is as well. Their want to exceeds everything else. So let's move on to the wide receivers, Andrew, because this is a group that's going to get a lot of hype going into the, the draft. You've got five guys here that really could be in the first round conversation. All five of them, uh, I mean, there's there's conversations for guys outside your top five in the first round potentially as well. Um, uh, this is one of those things. If you had to make um, if you had to make a prediction right now, how many wide receivers would you say go in round one? I'm gonna say six for now. I think okay. there's a potential for up to eight. I don't think we see eight just because again the de- the depth is not that it's yeah. just top heavy. There's depth too, and there's if if, if I'm gonna team that has a needed offensive line as well as wide receiver i'm taking the offensive lineman first not that there isn't great depth there but you're not going to find a stud tackle on day two you're going to get the good serviceable guys or a boomer bust project at wide receiver you have the chance we see a lot of receivers every year that go in the second and third rounds that become in many cases wide receiver ones for their team we saw what rasheed rice was this year for kansas city and what he could develop into uh we've seen what happened to aj brown several years back when he was with tennessee the, the, you don't have to take a receiver in the first round for him to develop into a wide receiver one. And, I mean, George Pickens is another name to add to that list. And if you ask me, uh, I think Marvin Harrison Jr., he's, in my opinion, the best player in this draft. Yeah, Ahead uh, of Caleb Williams, head of anybody. He's my number one player in this draft. Odunze and Neighbors, I'm not quite as high on in general. I still have top 15 grades on them, but I don't see them as legit top 10 picks because neither of them – Neighbors, I, I'm almost tempted to move neighbors above Odunze because Odunze, not every pass was delivered greatly in that national championship game, but there were a couple times where they were catchable balls and he was not able to come mm-hmm. down with them. And those are the games that define really a, your draft stock. So we'll see, again, this is the position that probably matters more than just about any for the combine and the combine numbers, corners, receivers, those skill positions. But I would say if there's one name that, isn't getting as much buzz that a lot of people are saying is slipping on boards. And I don't really understand why is Keon Coleman. He was yeah. inconsistent, but, 
but his targets were also inconsistent. And it's, it is, he's very much like George Pickens in the sense that he doesn't always look like he's open, but he finds a way to come down with the ball because he's so acrobatic. He has outstanding body control and he is just a freak of nature. And I think he warrants a first round pick. We've seen enough of him. Leggett, I liked him before the injury at the senior bowl. I still do like him. Um, but you got Brian Thomas Jr., Adnan Mitchell. Yeah. You got a bunch of these six four wide receivers that could run the four fours. I mean, these guys aren't just the little puny guys, they're athletes. Absolutely. I mean, I think of a guy like Keon Coleman in a system with a quarterback who can put the ball on you accurately. That's the type of place that's going to be best suited for him. Imagine him in a Kansas City Chiefs uniform. That would be intense for the rest of the AFC when yeah. you've got a quarterback in Patrick Mahomes who can put the ball wherever he wants to a guy like Keon Coleman, who can take it away. Who's always open. Mm -hmm. uh, that is the type of player that they could really, really use. Um, anybody, Andrew, I think uh, Xavier uh, Leggett has kind of been, uh, he's been polarizing for a lot of, of scouts. What do you see in his game that, that shows promise? And then also what do you see that could be a little bit of a, a drag on his draft stock? Well, he's only had one good year of consistent production. He was hardly utilized any previous season. So he, it's like, okay, is it is just a one-year wonder? He's athletic as all get out. He, I believe he clocked at like 22 miles an hour, 23 miles an hour. was one of the fastest rece timed receivers in pads this past year uh, on a touchdown reception early in the season. I I'm curious to see how tall he measures. I've seen some measurements of 6'1". I've seen some at 6'3". If he measures in at 6'3", 230 pounds – and he runs that fast, he's going to skyrocket on draft boards, assuming he is healthy enough by the time we get to Indy. He, he, his stock is going to either rise or fall. He's not going to stay even when it comes to the combine. He's either going to work his way into the first round, definitely, or he's probably going to work his way down to a late day two pick. Just because they're, 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 he is a true boomer bust wide receiver. He's not polished as a route runner. There's a lot of he's, – he's extremely raw. But the traits you're getting to work with, you can't teach six foot three, two thirty, and yeah. potentially four four, even sub four four speed. That's just incredible. It is so many athletes in this wide receiver class. It's going to be fun to watch where these guys go, who they end up with, and if your team needs a wide receiver but you've got other needs, again, you can find one day two, day three. That's going to help your team pretty quickly. Role playing wide receivers that can help you with straight line speed down the field. There's a lot of those guys as well. So keep an eye on this wide receiver class. For sure. A group we don't need to spend a lot of time on, the tight ends. Brock Bowers is the guy at tight end. Andrew, is there anybody else who warrants day two consideration from you at the tight end position? I think that Jatavian Sanders from Texas will get taken on day two. I'm not completely sold on his game just because he's not complete. He doesn't – I think he wants to be a good blocker, but I just don't know if he had – the ability to really grow in that area. I'm not blaming the Texas coaching staff, but they didn't really try that hard to improve him in that area. So I'm excited to see what he can do at the NFL level. He's athletic. He's going to test pretty well. Uh, one guy that I think is, he was flying under the radar until the senior bowl. And that was Theo Johnson. He was the one tight end that yeah. played really well at the senior bowl week, six foot five, two fifty seven. The guy can block. He's probably going to run a solid for you. I'd imagine around four, six. If he runs four, six at that size and he displays good hands, like we've seen from him on tape, I think he's going to be one of those better pro than college tight ends. We see them every year coming out. Yeah. They don't produce in college because the scheme fit or just, they weren't utilized in that role. He did a lot of blocking at Penn state, uh, but this guy does have good hands. He does know how to get open. He's a little bit unpolished as a, as a route runner, but he has time to grow into that. I'd be willing to work with a guy who can come in and block day one and help me. 
as opposed to a guy like maybe say a Jaheim Bell from Florida yeah. State who's just not the prototypical size. He's almost more of an H-back. Where do you fit him? You have to have the right scheme for a guy like that. Yeah, so your top 10 here, obviously Brock Bowers, or excuse me, top five here, Brock Bowers, number one, uh, Jatavion Sanders at two, Cade Stover, Theo Johnson, and Jaheim Bell round out your top five. Cade Stover is intriguing to me because he had a lot more hype, I think, uh, a couple years ago than he did this last season. It was kind of a down year for him production-wise, but he's still one of those guys that's a great locker room guy. We talked to Paris Johnson Jr. on our show last year, and Cade Stover was his guy. That was the guy that that he was pushing uh, the bell for who ended up going back to school um, and just, just a, a stand-up guy. So I could see him pushing his way into day two, maybe late day two. Uh, potentially for for a guy like him but overall not too flashy of a group you might find a good blocking tight end or two uh, in the middle portion of the draft but Brock Bowers it's Brock Bowers a bust at tight end this season if you're looking for one of those hybrid type players uh, on the yeah. edge there all right Andrew let's dive into the offensive line here offensive tackle and then interior offensive line we're going to break them up that way so let's talk about the tackles and it's a really good tackle group. Andrew, I'll let you give your top five and then uh, reasons why for each guy. Olufashanu is one, but not by much. I literally have an identical grade on him and Joe All It really depends what you want. Fashanu, they're, they're both going to test well. Don't get me wrong. But Fashanu's got every athletic trait in the book. A couple areas where he can improve, sometimes a, just a tad bit slow with his feet. He reacts in his upper body but sometimes the feet don't follow and sometimes it causes a little bit of imbalance hasn't been enough to really affect him at the, at the collegiate level, as we can see by it almost hardly ever even allowing a pressure, let yeah. alone a sack. So I, I, it is something that will need to be fixed at the NFL, but I think it's a very basic fix for a good offensive line coach alt. He really, I mean, he's only going to be 20 years. He's only 20 years old and it's six foot seven. He does a good job of getting those pads alone, making a difference in the yeah. run game. We talked about um, Audric a minute ago and the, many of the lanes that he actually did a really good job running to the left side, which is very unique for a power back running the left side. That's because Joe Alt, surprisingly, despite his six foot seven frame, the man is massive. He yeah. finds a way to get those pads low and move defenders backward in the run game. I think both these guys are pretty schematically versatile. I think Fashanu, you if you, if you can get him in an outside zone scheme where he can really use his mobility, uh, I think that's ideal fit for him. Alt really doesn't matter. Just plug and play. Day one starter, going to be a Pro Bowler for the next ten years. And, and I yeah. guess finishing out ten, I, I or top five. I apologize. Um, Talisa Puaga, right tackle. Extremely athletic. Love him as a run blocker. Latham from Alabama, I'm a little bit lower on just because he is a little bit slow at times. Not saying he's soft, uh, but for the size that he brings, I, I wish I saw a little bit more consistency with his power. He's yeah. powerful. We've seen flashes. Just need to see more consistency from him. And then Amarius Mims, just a, kind of another one-year wonder as an offensive line guy. It's just a matter of where he's going to fit. Do you play him on the left, right side in the NFL? Do you move him inside? I think he has the athleticism to play on the outside. Uh, but again, pad levels, just some technical issues is why I don't have him quite as high. But all these guys, first-round grades, I don't see any of them yeah. leaving the first round. Huge guys, too. <laughs> a lot of these guys are just massive. Uh, one guy I wanted to talk about who's just who's outside your top five that a lot of people would have pushing these guys. you got him way down at number nine, Tyler Guyton out of Oklahoma. A lot of upside with Guyton, but you don't have him maybe quite as polished, or uh, why would you lower him down in your rankings? A lot of people talking about Guyton in the first-round conversation. 
Yeah, I haven't completely finished Guyton's tape yet. I, I still have to go back and watch a little bit more of him to get a final evaluation. But just initially, uh, I, di- I didn't see any wow trait of him. He's athletic, but for a guy that is going to test as well as everyone expects him to, you don't see it translated onto the field quite as much. And w- especially when it comes to the running game, sometimes his hands got a little bit not he didn't get grabby but sometimes his hand placement is like okay he's getting really close to getting outside the pads I don't know if he's just not accurate and landing those hands uh again they're all minor things all these guys are so closely graded together I think Guyton will probably rise on my board if he tests as well as what people expect in Indy and like I said I still have to go and finish the tape on him that's why he's a little bit lower I haven't seen as much of him as I have some of the other prospects yet but uh initially I would say the hands thing is a minor concern, and uh, just uh, just putting together again, same thing we talked about with Mims and a couple other guys, and uh, just being, and even even to an extent, Fashanu, just getting the feet to follow with the rest of the mm-hmm. body, and just staying parallel, keeping the keeping the pads square, being able to maintain balance in pass protection on a consistent basis, all minor things. But he was he wasn't really pushed a whole lot against Big Twelve defenders. There's not a whole lot of good pass rushers, so you didn't really get to see him tested a whole lot. Um, and that's why I'm excited to see about him moving forward. Maybe in Indy, mm-hmm. we see him run these drills, see how fluid he really is in moving. How many tackles go in the top or in the first round? I'm going to say seven with a chance of eight. Okay. Yeah. It's it's a great group. They're going to go early. They're going to go fast. Left tackle, right tackle. It's a good group on both mm-hmm. sides of the ball. All right. Interior offensive lineman. You've got Troy uh, Fontenu from Washington. Cedric Van Praan from Georgia. That's going to surprise some people. Um, Graham Barton from Duke, and then Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon at number four, and finally Zach Frazier from West Virginia. A lot of centers here, Andrew, in your top five group, but some guys with some versatility as well when you talk about like Graham Barton. Um, what do you see in these in this group of five here that makes you think that uh, they can be really good football players at the next level? Well, I guess you could argue that you could see eight or nine potentially go in the first round if you consider Fatanu and Barton as tackles, which is where they played primarily in college. I think Fatano slides at least inside to guard, if not to even center. He has the length. He's going to test well. A lot of people see him going into center. I like him as a guard at the at the next level. I see the same thing for Graham Barton personally, uh, but that, they're just the prototypical build. I like my guards. They have the athleticism. They can push forward, and they're not going to be a liability in pass protection either. They just have great balance to their game. I think uh, as it pertains to some of the other guys, uh, the centers, Van Prawn, he's still my favorite because of that uncanny athleticism and the fact uh, – I don't know why he's not getting enough credit. I mean, maybe there's something I don't know about his personality. I don't know if he's toxic in the locker room or what. But every time I turn on his game, he's mauling people in the run game. We see Georgia consistently <laughs> yeah. running the ball well on the ground, and we don't even know half the running backs' names and wondering how is this happening. There's a lot of running straight through the middle. It's a lot of dive plays. It's not <laughs> – some of these schemes are very basic. But Cedric Van Praan does such a good job just going north and south and with his athleticism, he is schematically versatile. He can play literally any spot. I think this guy has the chance to be one of the best centers in the league. We're, I'm t- mm. we're talking probably, and in my opinion, this is the best center prospect to come out since Creed Humphrey. And I think he can be on that level as Creed. The, the issue with a guy like Jackson Powers Johnson is he's such an anomaly for the center position. Do, can, he, can he perform that well at that size for a long term? You just have to question about long-term durability at yeah. center. 
being that big, that's a concern. He's athletic and he has the chance to completely go off, but I think he's the as the lowest floor of any of these guys. And with Zach Frazier, the other guy in the top five, he's just so consistent, so consistent. <laughs> game in game out you know what you're getting he may never be an all pro guy but he he could maybe reach a pro bowl or two he's gonna be a consistent starter and he's gonna find his way to play in the league for many years because he's tough he's physical and he knows what his coaches want and he knows how to deliver if you need a center this is the year to need a center in the draft and there's gonna be options for you there's some options further down as well that we're not gonna get to in this show that we might be able to to break down in some other shows coming up but Andrew, uh, it's a it's a great group on offense. It really is. Outside of running back and tight end, it really feels like uh, a group of of offensive prospects that can have a lot of day one starters in the first round. Uh, guys that are gonna gonna be selected early. Guys are gonna be playing early in their careers as well. Uh, let's wrap up the offensive group here, Andrew. Any anybody else that stands out to you, real quick, um, from any of these groups that we've mentioned, or anything you want to say before we head out? I just said it's gonna be it's gonna be really rich on the offensive side of the ball. Don't let people tell you, oh, this you know running backs because no running backs gonna go in the first round outside Brock Bowers. The tight end position is garbage. Looking at the offense in general, it's gonna be so heavy in the first round of offense players. It's not even funny. And as we go into day two and day three, you're gonna see your wide receivers. You're gonna see running backs that are gonna be making an instant impact in the NFL. I I think Lad McConkey and Roman Wilson are two guys that a lot of people are overlooking because they're Mm -hmm. not. The, maybe the most attractive because they're not the biggest guys. Roman Wilson, I think, is going to run a 4-3 in the 40. Lad McConkey is Julian Edelman reincarnated. I mean, he yes. is not the most athletic guy, but he gets open. He's always open, and he always catches the ball. That's what teams love. He's He'd be a great fit for a team like L.A. that already has like a Puka Nakua. He's not the same type of receiver. But, you know, that guy who's just consistent from game to game. Coaches love those guys. And there's going to be a guy who's going to pick this guy up in probably the second or third round. And he's going to have immediate production. You're going to have a couple of these first round guys that bust out that like it happens every year. And it's like, why did we just, why didn't we just wait and get a guy like Lad McConkey on day two? And we'd have a really good wide receiver too, but we were so worried about getting that elite option in the first round and we couldn't develop it. Absolutely. All right. That's going to do it for us here on the FFSN NFL draft preview show next week on this show. We're going to break down the top five players by position on defense for Andrew Wilbar. I'm Jeremy Betts. We'll talk to you next time here on the fan.